This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> hey, hey, my Eagle enthusiast. This is Fairway Rolling presented by FanDuel. Elevated events, majors, and more are coming up, and FanDuel is here to help you line up a win during the PGA Tour season. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Quick disclaimer, you must be 21 years old and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Unlike any other. Oh, yeah. This is a major edition of Fairway Rolling! A golf podcast on the Record Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. My birdie buddies, my eagle enthusiasts, my par saving pals. What a time to be alive. We have right in front of us. Staring us in the face, the United States Open Championship. So much has happened in the wonderful world of golf in just a short week's time. The only way for us to get down is with an absolute heavyweight in the golf writing and podcast space. Of course, our PJ Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, is here, but my, my birdie buddies. Along for the ride, first time, long time, our beloved pal from the Shotgun Start podcast, Brendan Prorath is here as well. It's a three ball 
gonna go throw a peg in the ground and get this thing going. All right, all right, BP. Thank you for having me. Heavyweight feels like a really misnomer. You're overhyping me like some of these live draft picks, like third, fourth rounders. Where, you some know, of them. <laughs> a lot of smoke and mirrors with some of that. Well, who, it's who an would, honor. Who's your comp? You're not a Schwartzel. No, absolutely not. I think I'm, I'm more like a Peter Uline. Just been kind of operating at the fringes. <laughs> no. Might have a good week here or there. But yeah, heavyweight no. seems like kind of you're overhyping me. But it's an yeah. honor to join you guys. You weren't born on third base. Come yeah, on now. That's true. I was not. I can confirm that. Speaking of born on third base, I do want to jump right into this. Uh, we have all kinds of storylines. Traditionally, the way that, you know, these major championship weeks start for us, it's like, what are the storylines? Who, you know, who's in on trend? What's happening this week? And we had uh, Kyle Porter on last week and we were like, God damn, the fire hose up stuff in the face. I can't handle it any longer. I won't make a dirty reference. Uh, uh, I kind of want to, but I won't. Um, you just and, and it just hasn't stopped. It just hasn't stopped. So this is what I want to begin with, um, BP. My question is this. Did the golf gods this week, was it a little too on the nose with the way that yesterday played out? If like It was a very sharp play, the way the golf gods played out yesterday. It, it did feel like a little bit like a simulation, right? If this is how just too much happening all at once, you use the fire hose analogy. Uh, to have the whole scene play out like it did um, with Rory McIlroy, obviously the face of sort of the PGA Tour traditionalist and counter argument to this upstart and d- disruptor and, and vocally, you know, the voice of the PGA Tour, uh, for Jay Monahan's sake, probably a, a good thing that, that he was there and, and was able to display championship golf at a national open that's been, you know, away for a few years and uh, just sort of came together perfectly for them. Uh, whether that like means that live golf is folding up shop and not going to go on anymore because the PGA Tour displayed some a, a really strong product on Sunday, it's probably a separate matter. But it did feel like we were in a simulation with the ropes breaking, which may or may not have been. I, I don't know. It's, it's a little convenient. Those genteel Canadians are the all of a sudden conspiracy being... <laughs> theories. <laughs> no, the Canadians are are ready to bust out. They've had all those limitations up there. And you got people on top of each other's shoulders hooting and hollering. A far cry from the scene in, at the Centurion Club in, in London. Uh, but it was a lot between the Monaghan interview, the live debut, and then just the way the Canadian Open came together. And now we have a major. It's been almost too much the summer, the, the start of the summer. How do you think Greg Norman defined success for last week, and was it successful? I I think he would honestly say it was successful. As someone who's skeptical, critical, look, I thought Saturday's final round was sucked, to put it bluntly. It was not interesting as a golf product at all, but there were a lot of headlines about all the stuff Charles Schwartzel made, uh, money uh, he made, and these sort of also-rans who made tripled their career earnings like an Andy Ogletree or a Henny Duplis. I think it was successful in my eyes because it happened. It got off the ground. They had a fair amount of headliners. Uh, I think Greg Norman would uh, say the same thing. I think he would say it was a rousing success because they were able to get some partial modicum of PGA Tour players out there. There was a broadcast or a a stream cast, whatever the technical term is. It looked okay as a product. Of course, has the benefit of not having to have any commercial interruptions, and that's not a sustainable thing if you want to make money. I think it was successful in the fact that it happened. 
So and it didn't totally flop. Whereas so many of the months leading up to it was nothing but just really them embarrassing themselves operationally and, and falling into the safety net of sort of a bottomless pit of money that that kind of covers up a lot of incompetence and bumbling and stumbling on the way out. So I think it was a successful in that it got off the ground. So BP, I want to answer Nate's question as well, um, because I have kind of a follow on question for you off of that. I, I would say it was an unmitigated and enormous success in the following way. I can't tell you how many people, sports fans in my life, I heard from all week long with messages like, holy cow, what is this? What's going on? DJ is, you took, you know, resigned from the PGA tour. What does that mean? How is this business going to be successful? What is this thing all about? It dominated some headlines for a portion of, of last week. And it really represents now, based on you know what I think we've seen, the the kind of existential threat that they that the, the the Saudis kind of in, intended all along here. Um, you know the 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 perception has become reality. Like all of us, um, sort of inside of our own um, golf bubble, have been preparing for this. We've been having conversations, and I know you guys have as well for months running up to this, this moment. And so nothing that happened over the last 10 days or so felt like a surprise other than DJ um, being one of the defectors, but the reaction of the general sporting public, the consciousness of the U S sports. And it was like tickers are running on ESPN with these names and, you know, these developments. So I would say from the perspective of, of those guys, that's a, uh, um, and, and by, by those guys, I mean, Norman, and the cabal, like a, an enormous uh, success. Um, what what kind of reaction did, did you sort of experience inside of, of you know, your guys' world? Uh, I think there was sort of curiosity and amusement at the start. Uh, I would say, like you've mentioned, it's a success in that it's penetrated like so many different areas that golf usually doesn't visit, whether it's like going on like cable news or because of the geopolitical and other larger impacts of this uh, and obviously mainstream sports that golf doesn't always find its way into unless it's a major or the masters or things like that. So it's certainly successful. Now, if that wanes, like that may wane, right? Like those streaming numbers we saw the first hour or a couple hours, I can't imagine that may be the high point for a while, unless they really get juice this thing because the product isn't compelling, but it has the, the amusement and curiosity blends with like a seriousness of like, this is a real thing. And, and another part of why I think Norman could say it was a success is there was no real curveball in the tour's response. There was no real, I would say, sharp end and their deterrent or whatever they thought. There was nothing unexpected, right? And, and they, they they suspended these guys uh, using kind of ambiguous terms right. on on length and what actually the term is. I don't even know if they use the term suspension. But there's no ban. The the live had a quick response that that you have the players doing this. I don't know if it's an end around, but resigning. So I I think like in that way it's also been a success for Norman. Jay, Jay Monahan didn't really come with I think a strong sort of deterrent or a kind of weapon that was hiding in the closet. Well, he did come with a very angry interview uh, conducted by Jim Nance. Who God, let's give him the news desk. He was great. Yeah. He he sp he spared nothing. He pulled no punches. I just found there was a moment there. I mean, the RBC CEO 
did it right. He he yeah. was jovial and smiling and talking about how great it was to have everyone there and the best players in the world coming down the stretch and passionate, loud, but respectful fans. And isn't this great? And Monaghan came across as really, really angry. And I know it's been hard. I mean, that that entire office has been under siege. And to be clear, there's a lot of players who've left who have been jousting with the PGA Tour either overtly on Twitter in Patrick Reed's case or behind the scenes in Bryson and others' cases. And he lost some pains in the ass as far as they're concerned. Some guys who were problematic and really difficult to deal with. I My own experience was he came off as very, very angry in a moment in which I would have loved to have seen him say, why would you want to leave this? How great it is. W- what was your reaction to that interview? Uh, I mean, I, obviously, I'd, I'd lean on your insight here, certainly as like a leader and a CEO type, but I, I don't know what part of his job, obviously, like he doesn't have to excel necessarily all the time in front of the camera or on interview, but that's just never been a strong suit of his. If, if all, those of us in the golf world, like I'm not saying he's he's horrible at it, but no, he, I mean, he was great when opening COVID when, you know, when they yeah. reopened, I thought the way he answered those questions were pretty good, but yeah, man. Y- yeah. I, I just think like he, he doesn't necessarily project a ton of uh, a strength usually in, in interviews and whether those are kind of CNBC interviews or, or the players press conferences, the few times we see him yep. each year. Now, is that like the substantive majority of his job? Not necessarily, but in a moment like this, he's, he's left with not a lot of, of, real, I don't know, substantive deterrence in what he's saying. There's like the emotional part where you talked about. There's pleas for like loyalty and honor. And you've never had to apologize for being a PGA Tour member. Obviously, Jim Nance kind of put it to him. And I don't think like it was a real win for Jay Monahan in, in that situation. And, and I don't think yep. that's ever been a strength of his. And I'm not saying it has to be to be an effective sort of CEO or leader. But even like, you know, Roger Goodell, who, you know, mumbles and kind of you know stumbles i should say and and often contradicts himself at, at least comes off sometimes more projects a little bit more strength and leadership even even he does at the mic than jay monahan I, I didn't think it was impressive monahan was very fortunate to have rory mcelroy win that golf tournament and take the stand well yeah. nate that that's exactly um what i wanted to ask sort of both of you the thing that rang somewhat uh you know, substandard to me is they chose the broadcast of the tournament with with a guy threatening to shoot 58 or 59 as the moment for this, uh, you know, very defiant and, you know, um, uh, passionate defense of, of the tour kind of thing. Like the tour didn't need any defense during that broadcast. No, the tour was speaking for itself. That would have been a perfectly fine message to have delivered in a press conference kind of t- context, you know, over the course of the tournament. And then they, their snippets could have been grabbed out and Nance, you know, could have participated. could have run the press conference for Christ's sakes, but there was, you know, a, a way to do this. That would have been, uh, I think a lot more effective, than putting kind of Monahan on the spot in a position where he, we all know he's just not that comfortable. He's not a great live speaker kind of guy um, in in general. And you know, it just it came off. Uh, you know, I, I I think in a manner that did not you know be, be, behoove the, the the tour. I mean, you know, he he really to, to your point, BP didn't have a, a whole lot of options, right? So they they've made a strategic decision about in the first place, what the punishment's going to be and in the second place, how they're going to present. And it's this like defiance uh, and, and so forth. That's all fine. 
but like not not during the broadcast when Rory Rackeroy shooting sixty two and and you know there you have your your very best um, players at the top of the leaderboard, right? Yeah, I mean, presumably they waited till Sunday when they thought they'd have the largest audience, right? Sunday right. afternoon, but then right. like it just sort of it it pulled the the, the actual underlying product put you know brought it to a sort of jolting it was stop. A poop, it was poop in the punch bowl. It's like, right. come on, man. Yeah, right. We're having a party here. Don't you see? It's the tour party. You should be singing the praises of these guys and save the anger for the post conference and maybe even make Rory be party to it. He is the warrior prince, BP. <laughs> that's right. I mean, Rory's <laughs> the one that's out there on the front lines actually getting it done. But maybe this is just the reality of like their Byzantine sort of bylaws and, and membership rules. And they've they're flat footed. They look flat footed in their letter and maybe they're high, you know, that they're not, they don't want to pu- put a public spin on or, or, or reveal all their cards, but they just appear flat footed in their letter response in that interview. And, and they've had a lot of time to sort of figure out and maybe they're stunned. Maybe they're surprised this is actually happening. But I think what they've presented now is it, it will deter some who, you know, the messages of honor and loyalty and playing for legacy and, and not, being suspended or banned will appeal to some, but that's not going to deter a lot of the many others who see the dollar signs. And so they're at the mercy of a, those players who, who it does appeal to and the majors. And it doesn't, I don't know the majors are still a ball in the air. Yeah. The, the, here's their response in a microcosm today. You know, they spoke about how the players who were suspended were going to be removed from the FedEx cup standings. And today, if you open the PGA tour app, which Sorry, it sucks. And it, we've documented time and time again all of the problems with it. It's gotten a little yeah. bit better. There's some really cool things in there. But the, the, if you go in the app today and you click on FedEx Cup, it pulls up the PGA Tour website framed in the app with oh, the, the FedEx Cup standings because it's clear they could not figure out how to pull those players out within the code in the app. And you sit back and you go, God... They must have been talking about what their response was going to be, running the traps, right? So that's it's just the PGA Tour in, in a nutshell and their response in a nutshell. But I will say this. The one thing that could also be a deterrent is the message that actually pierced through louder to me than whatever happened on Saturday coming down the stretch of that event. And that was Khashoggi's widow saying... This is a this is a betrayal of America and uh, Saudi victims' family, or excuse me, the nine eleven victims' families, saying this is a terrible thing. I'm sorry that you're doing that. Those those two messages broke through. I thought, in spite of what was an otherwise flat Monahan performance. Do you think that there are players for whom those those things really matter at this point? Yes, I, I mean there has to be right. You have hopefully a lot of. of- rational um rational actors and players that that may weigh outweigh those kind of appeals and critiques over yeah. sort of the the career paydays Rory's now they're not are, playing for money anymore right yeah. right and i i think like what they're relying on now is that kind of those kind of voices whether it's 911 uh widows and 911 families Speaking about this is unpatriotic to do this. And the yeah. fact that they're relying on sort of these appeals, you know what else is a big sort of blow for their their this sort of winning the hearts and minds? Is Tiger being out of the field this week? I mean, Tiger at the US Open, yeah. the, Tiger at Southern Hills, by Tiger's standards, gave a pretty impassioned 
defense of the PGA Tour, playing for history, and impassioned critique of Phil. I think he is really, really disgusted by by what Phil's done and it doesn't care that Phil was in exile or hung out to dry and thought that was probably appropriate when he wasn't around at the PGA. So I think that they're they're sort of relying on some of those supporters and a Rory type getting it done on the course and at the mic. They're really relying on that to sort of punch back after this live loss. But it's personal now, isn't it? I mean, that statement that Rory made about getting to 21 wins over you-know-who who had 20, yeah. Greg Norman, makes it feel like if if Liv has done something wrong, they've actually forced guys to pick sides, and they're digging in. It's becoming sort of a bond and a us-versus-them moment, isn't it? I mean, I, it's hard to imagine Rory at this point being like, oh, I'll go play for them. Like, it's personal. Right. It really does feel like that, which will make the locker room, I think, the U.S. Open so fascinating because it's one of the few commingling's that we'll have. I guess we have that in the the Open Championship this year, yeah. potentially, unless the appeals process and these guys get their way back on tour. But that'll make the locker room dynamic incredibly interesting at the at the U.S. Open. We know there have been rumored live players for months now, if not a year, but now they're like out in the open and and sharing a locker room at the U.S. Open. I just I. I think the messaging that they have to hit on too with the players, and again, this is just a pure money situation, is, is these were exhibitions. Like, that is the appropriate term in my case, I, I, in my uh, opinion. Like, there's just, it's just money. There, there's the it's a clown car in a gold mine. Yeah, right. It, it, exhibition, I thought, was appropriate term. I think Jay Monahan, PJ Tour, is terming it that. And I, I think that's exactly what it is. There's no real competitive uh, juice to this. There's no real competitive cauldron at all. Everybody's collecting. It's a, worse a, than the match. A big check. It is. It is. And um, it felt like the maybe this was just the first one. There was no like team dynamic. That the teams. It was kind of like whatever it is. Forty eight guys just playing together to get this thing off the ground. It wasn't like Stingers versus Smash. There was no animosity. It's just an exhibition handing out cash. Do Do you think any of the guys that have signed up so far that are in the pipeline care? Um. You know, I wonder about that with uh, DJ. No, right. DJ, honestly, I, I've talked to people who kind of grew up with DJ. Like he just wants to fish and, yeah. and like the PR and the public backlash. He doesn't even know ha- if it's happening. If he does know, he doesn't care. I wonder about Phil, quite honestly. I wonder if Phil ever intended it to get this far. And I wonder if this was always a leverage play. And of course, he got way too far down the down the pike with it. And I, I, I just he's kind of debased himself right in a way. And I don't know that he ever thought he'd be at this point where he is more or less outcast banned or suspended or whatever the term is and outcast from the tour that he's helped really push along for 30, some almost 30 years. Uh, I I wonder about Phil, like really if it's not out, out, not regret, it's just sort of a curiosity of how I can't believe it got this far. Yeah. The, the, crazy thing that i think will come to light and you know over the the passage of time will be the recasting of this and maybe um, this a glass half full kind of guy but the recasting of this from the player's perspective as um an alternative to the pga tour and instead shining the bright light on it which is what you're describing this is just an exhibition for the purposes of having white western faces become the PR arm of the, the Saudis in trying to assimilate um, the Saudis into, you know, West Western markets. And the Saudis have been 
very transparent that that's the goal all along, that that is the, the, the point of this, that they devoted the resources to build out the PR. It's unprecedented, but they've, uh, in terms of, of the amount of money, the sheer numbers, but, um, you know, they, they, their, their, their vision statement that KVV, you know, published, and we all saw it a year ago. It's not yeah. a secret the, the Saudis have said, we have a goal of making ourselves more Western friendly. And one of the ways we're going to do this is with this golf exhibition series. Um, so the, the, the real interesting thing to me is um, it will persist for the Saudis as long as on balance, it, 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 it delivers to them what they're after, which is, you know, a, a general, sort of oh this is interesting fr from like western sports fans um instead of what we're talking about right now which is every time they have an event we're talking about the the, the uh, impacts on the families of the 9-11 survivors and the um and victims and and, and jamal khashoggi's wife yeah I, and i think like you saw I mean, the stream was 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 a lot of smoke and mirrors, right? It was sort of I, I joked it was like a Potemkin village, right? The announcers were really laying it on thick with the propaganda. Uh, you didn't see the lack of people in the crowd. It, it was nice in that it showed a lot of golf shots, I suppose, but a lot of golf shots that felt low stakes from relatively unknown players. Um, but again, that's not the goal right now is to like put on yeah. a dynamic golf product or even. I make was waiting for someone to get thrown through the Spanish language announcers table. Like <laughs> that, there was so much hype. I mean, what's the next step, though? Do they even care about I, I, you hear from folks on the Asian tour that they think like. Maybe brands come in and buy teams, right, like a Red Bull and F1, and, and maybe that's how the Saudis start to make this an actual business model as opposed to just pure sports washing. I just wonder, like, what the next step is if they're just going to be playing in obscurity on YouTube. Yeah, well, let's do it, right? Let's talk about sort of what's out there in terms of developments. I think there are three or four things. One of them is what you just described, BP, which is the possibility of corporate interests aligning themselves with this thing. The, the, um, the role of the Trumps in this is about to be prominent, right? Because we're going to be at, at um, two Trump venues in the fall. And, you know, part of the I, I'm not going to use the word brilliance, but the strategic thinking around having only three events that um, Liv is going to run up to and through the tour championship. And then after the tour championship, having five events go forward, pretty creative, pretty thoughtful. They're going to grab headlines. And that's the time when 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 Trump and, and you know, that universe gets sort of arrived upon the scene here. and also. If there are any players on this uh, in this venture who wanted to sit back and see how this plays out over the next couple months and then let the tour championship happen and collect those checks and then maybe, you know, jump over. That will be an interesting dynamic. Um, and then ultimately what happens with the OWGR points and, and, the, and the majors. And that, that's really the existential question. Those those are the things I feel like that are out there. Do you agree with that? Yeah, they've been certainly uh, somewhat surgical in their scheduling, right? Going to markets that maybe the tour isn't in in a Northwest Pacific Northwest of Portland, an opposite, I would what I'd term weaker PGA tour events like the John Deere and the Rocket Mortgage. So like their American stops may penetrate somewhat, but I, I think you could see a lot more PR 
blowback and hostility, right, to, to this. It, I, this is out there now, as you talked about. Anecdotally, all your friends are asking you about it. It's on CNN. It's all, like This is out there now. They may not get the warmest welcome in Portland, right, now that the entire effort is really well known on an international basis. Um, but it does feel like it's there as a they don't care. Maybe maybe they just don't care about the PR anymore. But uh, as a model, they are pretty reliant on the OWGR. And I think that's where the Asian tour comes in. You hear different rumors that the OWGR like, like look, the PGA Tour has an outsized influence on the world rankings board, not exclusive, but an influence there. They may marginalize the Asian tour events even further than they are. Right. And make those points even more scant for Asian tour events, leaving these guys with not the DJ who has an exemption into majors, but uh, Taylor Gooch or, or some of those players, a Schwartzel even, uh, with little recourse to getting into majors, getting points to get into majors. So you you hear certain that the, the, that could be a movement, but they're sort of left uh, trying to find a way to legit be legitimized by the OWGR and not this year, but the next year. Who else has influence besides the tour on the world ranking points? I mean, the, it's the governing bodies. Yeah, it's it's the governing bodies. It's the I mean, the Asian tour technically should all the, the federation of tours. And that's a bunch of tours you've never heard of, like the Alps tour and uh, the former European tour. Now, the DP World Tour, the Sunshine Tour, they have a, a voice, but it's sort of the, this a backroom group in London, in Europe that can really pull some levers here and maybe even. They may be under the pressure from the Masters or Fred Ridley, Augusta National. There's all sorts of power brokers here who find this, who may find this distasteful. And the tour, the PGA Tour is sort of left with that, that sort of as their next strategic play, because I don't think in their bylaws and in the way this is going to go as a legal battle, that they're like on a completely solid ground. But for the majors... Wouldn't they love to see the regular season more diluted so that the only time when the best players in the world come together is at their events? Isn't it sort of in their interest for the majors to have even more intrigue? In a Machiavellian like business sense, as someone who's not absolutely beholden to the PGA Tour, yes. Yeah. I think what this is going to do is really dilute like you said, and diminish product all pro golf everywhere, except yeah. for those four weeks. I, I'm not like a tennis nut, but is there a lot of tennis consumed outside of the four majors, like penetrating like the larger sports consciousness? I don't know that it's, it would go that far. Or a lot of people compare this to the indie cart split in the mid nineties, where like th- that sport more or less vanished once it was diminished it, it, by spreading itself thin. I do think if you're a major championship, all this does is heighten your your value for sure, right? I mean, you could go sell your rights and your sponsorships. This is the one of the four weeks where everybody's under the same 10 and everybody's playing for the most important events. So it does, as a golf fan, it might leave us with a pretty crappy landscape outside of those four weeks. But House, do you think that they've diluted the field yet? I mean, if DJ and Patrick Reed and Kevin Na and Taylor Gooch and Bubba and HV3 and Ricky and a few others, Pat Perez, are, you know, goofing around at Pumpkin Ridge, but 
Scheffler and Burns and Thomas and Spieth and Rory and Rahm and Morikow stay. And what we're talking about when we say that are the top 10 players in the world and most of the top 25. Does it matter? Well, Nate, the challenge is how often are you going to get those top 10 guys to go play the John Deere, right? You, we have, uh, you know, the, the non-major tournaments on the PGA Tour. I think there are, I, I have a hard time coming up with five that are prominent enough that warrant enough interest to that, that attract the players themselves where we, we have this, this mass uh, of talent coming together. It's the players championship. It's, it's Riv. It's, it's Bay Hill, although Bay Hill has experienced, you know, uh, uh, ups and downs. It's maybe like colonial, like Scottsdale potentially. Yeah. But that match play know. is still like a WGC thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the WGC events um, for sure will have some kind of uh, experience and impact as but well. They, they have those problems today. I, I'm yeah. not sure that DJ's care. I mean, DJ doesn't really carry a tournament on his own or it, it, well, he could be substituted for somebody he, else. He was the face of the marketing yeah. for the RBC yeah. Canadian up yeah. until like Tuesday of last week. And they right? did fine. They didn't need him. So I, that's just where I am. I mean, I think if we lose a couple of those guys at the top of the list who you know, are going to be on the leaderboard on the back nine on Sunday at the Canadian Open, I think they start to run into trouble. I just still might argue that right now you got a bunch of has-beens and a couple pains in the ass yeah. and a few guys who, you know, sort of failure to launch who understandably grab the money because they have zero chance of becoming a star on the PGA Tour... But other than that, the best players are still in the PGA Tour. I mean, there's no doubt that the Tour is the better product right now. Like we said, the Live is an ex exhibition with a crappy field. And the Tour still is actual competition with the top of many of the still the top of the world rankings. I guess the big question is, uh, like people like Rory, JT seem pretty well entrenched in the Tour life yeah. uh, commitment. Are there other big names that they start to see the Henny Duplice come away with two and a half million dollars? Yeah. Some guys that just aren't. I, I don't know who that is. I haven't heard anything. But like yeah. the Xanders or the Cantleys and people right. like that, right. they right. pick off a few of these after all these sort of also rands and nobodies are, are walking away with two million, three million dollars. Yeah. We're like already in the zone where half of their published list, this big thing they went through with the player impact program. Uh, these are our top 10 most marketable people, and we're going to recognize them with money. Like nearly half that list is either rumored or already gone. So like if you're if you're self-identifying, these are our most impactfuls and they're out the door like, you know, it's a tough one. Do you think I would ask you guys, do you think the tour will ever be in a position where they like it's in their best interest to come to the table and try to sort out some dual arrangement with live, whether that's. Monahan, you hear people suggesting it like they just they, they'll have to acquiesce. And, and I guess they're nowhere near that position now, but but that they would ever come to the table like that. I feel like it's much more likely that they figure out um, how to make the PGL thing work and that they get dollars by way of that PGL um, framework. And and I, I, I presume that everybody who listens to this podcast is a deep golf nerd 
like the three of us, but I'm talking about the Premier Golf League, which was really the concept that the Saudis stole and have implemented of, you know, team golf, uh, um, you know, groupings and and so forth. And and primarily, I think there was there were their goal was to be more worldwide, have some Australian venues and have some venues in, in Europe and so forth that don't get a ton of exposure. I would expect, um, you know, possibly uh, some kind of alignment with that entity. And if that has the effect of generating more interest and more dollars that they can pay folks, make it a genuine quandary for players that might be thinking of jumping over to the Saudis when, you know, if you can uh, deliver something that's nearly as attractive, uh, you know, and, and, you know, offer this opportunity where, okay, you, you are a super duper star in our league. Um, uh, you know, Xander, um, we'll only ask you to play 15 events across, you know, the, 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 the this, this season you have the four majors and you're guaranteed this level of money. I, that, that's what I think is, is more likely in terms of, um, the, the direction the tour might go. I don't see any scenario under which the tour will get into bed with the Saudis. It, it just completely devastates the, the argument, um, that they put forth and, and I, it doesn't cure the moral quandary. You have a different view, Nate? No, I, I think you're right. And when you layer on the personal animosity that's in there, you know, you're talking about a decade yeah. and probably a change of leadership for something like that to happen. It just doesn't. Yeah. It, it, it's it's now mano a mano in a staring contest. I did look. We're giving this thing a lot of oxygen, and in practice, the product sucked. It does not have a business model, and it was kind of a joke. I mean, it is a joke that Andy Ogletree shot plus 24 and made a hundred and whatever thousand dollars, $120,000. It's a joke. That's not a business model. It's not a business. It is a completely different kind of competition. And that to, to that point, until the tour decides that they're going to forego a business model, they can't actually pay that money. There's no other league, there's another league that could have a business model that pays some more and they can figure it out, but they're not going to be able to match what these guys are getting. So they have to continue to hammer the moral piece of it and frankly, to play up and flare up the personal relationships. And I think at this point, there's just no way that, that, that the Saudis uh, can, can come together with, with the PGA Tour. There's just no way. My Eagle enthusiasts, the PGA Tour is in full swing. It's a championship week this week. The best place to tee off is on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. You just sign up with promo code ROLLIN, R-O-L-L-I, and FanDuel is an official betting operator of the PGA Tour. So they have all your favorite bets to choose from, and it's a major week. So there are major bets out there already. Your wins, your placements, your finishing positions, your top nationalities, they're all available on the app. We're looking down the card for some value. We're looking at the Shane Lowry's of the world. We're looking at the Daniel Berger's of the world. You can get in on the action with tournament winners, top five finishes, Match betting, I'm doing a bunch of head-to-heads featuring Phil Mickelson, who I am anticipating will be on the losing end. So much more out there. If you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. Just join with promo code ROLLIN, R-O-L-L-I-N, and turn a $5 bet 
into $200 in free bets, win or lose, exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Quick disclaimer, you got to be 21 or older in select states. A $10 first deposit is required. The bonus is issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. You can see full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. That's in New York. The Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789. Or if you're in West Virginia, you can visit www.1800gambler.net. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. We have right in front of us, you know, proof of concept. Like we, we, we should be so lucky. We have the United States Open Championship. We're on the eve of this week. It is the Monday of U.S. Open Championship week. And, you know, we just sort of devoted two thirds of the show to the existential crisis that is facing professional golf. But one of the richest storylines, and this is what we do here on Fairway Rolling on the Monday of a major week, is storylines. Um, BP, you mentioned what kind of reaction might we anticipate the, the live tour will get when it's out in, it in, in, in Portland. Um, I'm very interested in what kind of reaction these players who were just over in, in the London greater area, who've already arrived. I mean, you know, kudos to Phil and, and DJ taking the Sunday off to get themselves across and get some practice in early here at, at TCC. Um, what kind of reaction are you anticipating this week out of the Boston crowds to, to those folks? I, 
Look, I, I think the general public and the general crowd will probably be pretty benevolent mm-hmm. and supportive. And I don't think you'll see the critiques that these players might receive in uh, column spaces and on Twitter and from the PGA Tour colleagues uh, at large on the ground. I just don't think a golf gallery generally operates that way, except for occasionally with the Bryson Brooks feud at Caves Valley, which I saw up close last year when, when Bryson was really kind of put through the rainer. Yeah, happened uh, in Hartford. I mean, there were a lot of tournaments where he yes. was getting shit on. Yeah, yep. I, I just think Phil is such a known entity and quite honestly fan favorite. I, I will I, I will be influenced for a long time being on the ground at that PGA in Kiowa and just seeing mm-hmm. the groundswell for Phil vis- relative to Brooks Kepka, who at that moment was the best major championship golfer in golf. And it was just a different animal. And I, I'm not suggesting Phil will receive that kind of support, but it's hard for me to envision him taking a lot of uh, heckles or critiques or, or lack of support in Boston. Hmm. House for me, the story of the week is looking at the odds board. <laughs> okay. Because we have so many goddamn good golfers who could win this thing. Uh, well, we got jo- Jordan Spieth is in the range where you and I start to freak out. He's 24 to 1 to win the U.S. Open. See, Nate Dog, this is why we have Mr. Porath on the program today because. This gentleman literally played golf at this venue. And my oh my question to like really um, a- answer your question, Nate, is like, can everyone win this thing? I-, I-, I don't think so. I think this is a hard mother effort. One of the hardest mother efforts. It's, it's like in that same category as Oakmont in terms of the challenge presented and the kind of difficulties that are the rock extraordinary. Yes, I mean, and it does have that beautiful New England rough terrain. It harkens back to the Pilgrims and all all the rest <laughs> of it. I mean, you know, not I'm not going to go in that direction. But BP, you you played this place six weeks ago. How was it? It was it was awesome. It was it was really cool. And obviously, this has not been a part of the U.S. Open Rota since the late '80s. We saw the Ryder Cup there in '99, but and USAM in 2013. But it it feels like a U.S. Open venue and obviously it will be again this week i'm surprised it's been such a long layoff between visits um hard mf is a great <laughs> capturing of it. it will be i i don't think we're going this is not to suggest wingfoot is easy but i think the approach we saw at wingfoot where you could bomb and gouge and hit sort of higher lofted clubs from rough up to greens will work here i think there's much more land movement the greens are incredibly undulating the greens are really small. It's really small greens. We're seeing videos already as we record this. The rough is way up with like four, five, six different cuts up into knee-high fescue. Um, it, I think it's par 70, two par fives. It's going to be extremely hard test. Uh, I think it'll be an awesome, awesome, interesting. T- the, the different landforms like you talked about, it's like this old polo, this old racetrack down at the start, number one, and then like, 16, 17, 18, finishing it up. And it's like pretty flat ground, right? And it's going to rely on rough and, and sort of narrow fairways. But then you go up and it feels like you're in like a state park almost, right? You're hiking up and over rocks and through trees and rolling terrain. It's just a real mix 
of landforms. My colleague Andy Johnson calls it a mutt, like as a as a sort of lovable mutt, a beautiful mutt, because it has so many different influences, architectural influences. But I, I think it's be incredibly hard. And, and what Hubbard was saying is there are anyone could win this, but I think you have to be completely dialed in. And so many big names have been sort of met this year, right? John Robb, while he won at Mexico, hasn't been necessarily on top of his game. Kyle Morikawa kind of not... He's 29 to 1. I know. I can't believe it. I know. Some of these guys... And you have to be on point, T to green. And then when you get to the green, they're going to be really firm and really fast. This, the weather looks pretty good. There may be storms on Friday. I think it's going to be incredibly difficult and put these guys in a blender to some of these best in the world that that haven't been, I'm not going to say bad, but just haven't been at their peak this year, maybe wiped out. Like we saw a little bit at Southern Hills, right? You saw Kyle Markow, you saw Sh- Scotty Scheffler of all people get get bounced. So, so Brendan, um, and, and I had the opportunity, um, to watch the video. Everybody should go watch the video of Brendan with the no laying up guys. You should also watch the video of the fried egg doing the full sort of course preview. Both of those are really instructive. If you want to try and get your arms around the test that these guys are going to be confronted with and, and by what I'm looking for, um, in terms of the way that I'm going to build a card here, both for DFS purposes, for gambling purposes, all the purposes that I like to lose money, um, is looking for the guys that I think have the best mental fortitude who can be uncomfortable through around for through four rounds and take the mental beating that this golf course is going to give out because it's going to be, I, I honestly think that we'll be lucky to get even a couple guys under par um, for this. I think it's going to be scoring wise, you know, in, in the vein of that, that old um, wing foot. I mean, we've been in this mode where we anticipate us opens the maybe Shinnecock um, only um, Brooks was the only one under par. I think it's in that, that vein uh, of kind of scoring out there. Um, but I'm really shrinking the pie by the guys that I think have the the brains to to handle this. Do you do you think that I'm sizing this up right? I mean, that's always a good idea with US Opens, right? You you can't take sort of the mentally weak uh, and the guys who get way too emotional about bad bounces or a, a 6 on the card, right? And uh, I, yeah, I think that's always an appropriate approach at the US Open. Now, we've seen it recent US Opens like are we in the John Bodenhamer and Jason Gore era where maybe you know, just, just, I don't want to say embarrassing the players, but I, what their old was identifying. We don't want to embarrass the players. We just want to identify the best ones that has been by the wayside, right? We've seen some low scores. We've seen sort of a, a more widespread democratic leaderboard. I think this is a course that maybe doesn't allow itself that it's going to kick ass whether they want it to or not. And I I think they're setting it up pretty tough. The Bodenhamer and, and, and Jason Gore, who are the USGA sort of executives, have made it a little more benign, right? A little more benign, but I, I don't think Country Club really affords that opportunity. And, and for that sake alone, you got to have someone who's mentally pretty even keel and strong. Well, the the boards reacted to yesterday's result by pushing Rory and JT to the top. Uh, JT made bogeys on his last two holes. I hated that finish for him, um, but. If those are the criteria, then who are you looking at who's maybe not sitting right at the top of the leaderboard that that's being overlooked, who has those combined qualities of skill, has the shots, and the mental fortitude to deal with rock outcroppings? 
I like I like JT. I, I know like he's at the top of the board. So that doesn't answer your question. I do like JT though. He's the one who does take a, a punch to the face and can come back with with from behind, right? And obviously playing well. Maybe he took a dive there. You know, maybe he took oh, a dive because he didn't like want to win it. the week before. Uh let Rory go do that, try to do that back to back deal. Uh Alexander Shoffley. I know that's not exactly a, a super deep dark horse. He's always played pretty well at majors, pretty well at US Opens. Guy who doesn't get most top tens in U.S. Opens, I think, over the last. Yeah, yep. Know. I mean, really from the get go, when he was a qualifier at the 17 U.S. Open, uh, I really like Xander Shoffley this week. Tita Green game, playing pretty well. Started to play well again in the last couple of months. Of Matthew Fitzpatrick, who won the 2013 U.S. Amateur. Everyone's going to kind of hit that. Yeah, cliche. Are, we, are we over rotating on that? You think maybe? Yes, everyone's going to hit that trope and cliche. But to see him, it wouldn't be surprised to see him win a uh, post a top ten, right? It, not top because 10. of. That's not, fair. I like not, that. Not because of his amateur experience, just because of his experience on the toughest courses and how he's played this year. Now, mm-hmm. it's Sunday. Am I going to pick him to get it done? Maybe not. Uh, Shane Lowry, just complete tee to green ace. Those kind of players. Corey Connors, really tee to green aces. Um, I'd stay away from like a Morikawa and Rom. Victor Hovland's not been playing well. Like a lot of big names who maybe have a weakness or, or just haven't been at their peak, I, I might hold off on. Who do you think would be the best winner from the PGA tours perspective, like, you know, carrying the banner for the tour. Uh, we, they, they just got Rory. It's too much to ask for Rory going back to back. Uh, if, if Rory was sort of one, a who's your one B. I mean, I think it's Justin Thomas. I, Justin Thomas seems as committed and as in lockstep with Rory when it comes to PGA tour loyalty and commitment and anything that can boost, continue to boost his star profile. Uh, is a good thing for the PGA Tour, who is likely going to retain his membership and services. And for him to go back to back at majors, you know, would be a oh. very strong thing for the PGA Tour. And I think he's obviously in form well enough to do that. Spieth is always Spieth. I thought that was going to be the answer. In fact, I was going to say, you know, who who is who's their best winner from the tourist perspective, and and why is the answer Jordan Spieth? I think that's right. I, maybe that is instead of JT uh, Spieth. You talk to like I talked to some of these people at CBS. Like their ratings just always go through the roof when he's in contention. He's a different animal. I know he's put on par with all these young big three, big four era and things like that, but he is a different kind of widespread. Uh, you know, gets a widespread audience. So Spieth would probably be another good one. I just know JT seems quite committed to the PGA Tour. Not that Spieth isn't, but continuing to boost JT's profile would be a good one. House, as a Rory truther, (laughs) I just want to give you your flowers on yesterday's win. I I want you to talk us into Rory this week, going back to back. For me, it starts with the turnaround on the back nine. Because while the broadcast was getting a little goofy, he started duck-hooking drives into the rough on the left. 14, he hit a 262-yard drive that for some reason the announcers and commentators made no real note of. Like, the guy was hitting 360-yard bombs. 14, he duck-hooks it into the rough. 15, he duck-hooks it into the rough. Again, a sub-300-yard drive that gets caught up. He bogeys 16, and you're thinking, oh, God, he's going to choke this thing away. And then he came back and birdied the last two with drives that he hit where he wanted to. Like, that is the mark of a guy who is on his game when he can fix his swing like that. Is it possible for him to win the U.S. Open? 
Uh, of course, it's possible. Uh, the thing that I was furiously trying to scroll through the Justin Ray Twitter timeline to find was the aspect of his game that has been missing, which is approach shots. 125 he, to 150. Yes. And, and he had an extraordinary for him performance at that. And he had a bad day putting yesterday while he went around the track and shot a, a 62. So if that's the version, right, of, of, of Rory where the accuracy. Right. Sure. And shot 62. Yeah. So, I, I mean... It definitely in terms of the characteristics that we think of always in connection with the U.S. Open, but especially with the challenge that, you know, I'm the watching the videos this morning was so instructive. You need guys that are going to be able to pound the ball down the golf course and they need to be. This is not like rocket science that they need to be as accurate as possible. But if they're not accurate, do they have the strength, the physical strength? to advance the ball and deal with the discomfort of not being able to see the tiny greens. There's so many blind shots that came through uh, and false fronts and stuff. Just a lot of visual trickeration. BP, isn't that the case? Yeah, it's there's a ton of, yes, which is different again from Wingfoot. You're hitting up to greens that are way elevated. It's just going to be a different kind of test. Short game approach play has got to be dialed. So I, I trust Rory, uh, honestly, if he feels like in, in enough comfort with honestly just three out of the four um aspects of his game nate yeah and as he said to jt in his ear let's do it again next week so he certainly feels like he's he's there that was an all-time approach day from him though did he waste all his ammo on, on the week too early i mean that was at his rory's wedge do you see him popping off kind of talking shit to sky sports about like i thought i was i heard i was a bad wedge player like he's feeling himself right now and rightfully so but yeah. uh, i hope it's still there i mean obviously that would be just a total frenzy if, if he gets in contention i mean the, we no we didn't say he's a bad wedge player no. it, the stats say it i didn't we're not yeah, making up the stats bubba <laughs> yeah we, we love you except for you know when you fritter things away okay uh Brendan, you're physically going to be in Boston all week long, which is very exciting. What are the shows this week that you guys have teed up? We will be doing podcasts, uh, the Shotgun Start, uh, really daily once once the tournament championship starts. That'll be third. We have a Wednesday live show if you're in Boston at the USGA's 19th hole. It's at the High Street Place Food Hall. That's that's like six o'clock on Wednesday if you're from Boston. We'll be doing a recording there, and then we'll just be writing at the Fried Egg and, and kind of on the ground. It should be a really cool. Really weird, right? With this yeah. sort of combined fields of few live guys with a lot of the PGA Tour regulars. It should be a weird, like amazing week on an awesome, awesome course venue. I'm pumped. Well, if the sports gods are, are kind, I believe it's going to be the case that the Nate Dog and I are going to be physically uh, in attendance, definitely oh. like Thursday morning. So we will hunt you Hell down, yeah. shout yeah. you out. Maybe even Wednesday night, we might sneak over there. Are they serving beer at this venue that you're you know, doing this show from? They better if they yeah. want if people want to indulge and have to listen to us for like <laughs> an hour. They won't be eighteen dollar Michelob Ultras, right? No, I hope not. I hope not. I, or else we'll have to pick up the tab because I'm not bringing friends and family and suckering them into that. Yeah, the goddamn PGA Championship. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's on, on on that positive note. Thank you so much for coming on, homeboy. We 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 it was long overdue. Um, we're here in the DMV, me and you, Nate. Next time Nate's here, the three of us are going to go out and do some well, DMV golf damage. I promise. Would love to. It, it was an honor. Thank you guys for inviting me on. All right.
There we go, my birdie buddies, my par saving pals, my eagle enthusiasts. Uh, we're back, as is our way here on Major Championship Week. Justin Ray will be on. That show will go up uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning so that you can sit down with your card and try and figure out how this extraordinarily difficult challenge that awaits might be conquered and by whom. Until then, please hit them straight out there. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC Pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.